Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. I say that we are exactly where we are supposed to be, talking the latest in the Chiefs, Kingdom, and Conference expansion, our two top stories for this week. Welcome back in to the Keeper of the Games podcast. This is episode number 82, dropping a little late this week, but... You'll be fine. You can still find us all the time, 24 hours a day at cogsports.com. And if you need, if you are missing us early in the week, why not reach out and interact with us on Twitter by following us at Cogpod? It's so easy to do. Or find us on Facebook. Of course, the podcast drop first place, the best place, is always cogpod.podomatic.com. But we're on all of your favorite podcasting sites, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, so much more. And you can watch the video on our Facebook page and also on YouTube. Blake Cripps with you here, joined by Tommy Castor. Tommy, I know you're enjoying some alone time from the wife and the kid this weekend. And also, as we are recording this on October 21st, watching your, and I hesitate to say your, because I know you're, you're trying to be a Royals fan too, but I know that you do care about the baseball team in Atlanta and the Braves with a chance to be in the World Series by blowing through the Dodgers in five games. I'm not sure how many people had that happening. I think most people thought the Dodgers were the clear favorite. I certainly thought that they were. I'm not saying that Atlanta getting to the World Series is unthinkable, but I think it will shock a lot of people, and they're one win away from that happening. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't want to jinx their chances. As people know, we record this program a, a day before it drops. Right. So I'm literally watching Game 5 right now as we record. By the time you're listening to this, we'll know whether or not the Braves won and, and if they clinched uh, the NLCS or, you know, or not. Um, but uh, no, I you know, I, I got to give the Dodgers credit. From top to bottom, they have more talent on their roster than the Braves do. But... Uh, the, the Braves got hot at the right time. They ended the season one of the best teams in baseball. They rolled through the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, they, they really, it's not been that difficult uh, against the Dodgers, you know, thus far in the NLCS. If the Braves can win and they can make it to the World Series, first time since 1999 the Braves have been in the World Series and the first time potentially since 95 that they could uh, hoist that uh, big championship. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with some Atlanta fans out at the bar last night uh, after kickball, and they were telling me, I, you know, I told them, it's like, you know, it feels like Atlanta should have a lot more of those trophies than they do yeah. with those great teams that they had. Do you buy in to what I think the national perspective is, that the Dodgers are just tired because they had to play the one-game playoff? Uh, they had to play such a such an emotional, difficult series against the Giants. I think most people agreed out of the national league you know say what you want about who's in the al but out of the national league those were the two best teams without peer without question were the giants and the dodgers and that was such a down to the last pitch series that it took so much out of them emotionally to come back from that to come back from the win in the wild card you do you buy into any of that i, I know it doesn't matter at this point but it does looking at how that they how they've played it feels like they're fatigued. I'm not sure they should be, but it feels like they just are not quite there. 
I mean, they've dealt with injuries. Clayton Kershaw is out. Max Muncy is out. Justin Turner got hurt last night uh, for the Dodgers. He's probably out for the rest of the season. Um, so I, I definitely think that they're they're banged up quite a bit. And there's probably a little bit of fatigue, you know, setting in too. But the Braves played 162 games throughout the season. Also, every team does. You know, that really the Dodgers um, only have played two more games than the Braves have. They played in the wild card game and then one more game. It, took, it went to five games uh, in the NLDS. Um, uh, the other series with the Dodgers and the Giants. I just think really more than anything, it's the draw. You know, it's the fact that the Dodgers and the Giants had to face each other in the NLDS and they sure. were the teams that had the most wins in the league. Uh, whereas the Braves and the Brewers got to face each other in the NLDS and both teams had, you know, won, you know, somewhere around 90 to 95 games. So, you know, it, it's the draw. It's the way that things panned out. And, you know, that the NL West was really strong with those two teams. The Padres yeah. were pretty good too, but then the Diamondbacks and the Rockies were really bad. So, you know, it, there, there was a lot of parity there, a lot of disparity there in the NL West. Very interesting to me if if this will call, if people will call like they have in the NBA, like we need to reseed the playoffs. We can't no. have two the two best teams playing each other. You know, division championships don't matter. I feel like baseball on its, you know, high horse of traditionalism. And for a lot of good reasons, I like parts of that about baseball. I feel like it's unlikely that they will go that route, but it'll be interesting to see. I bet we hear more people talk about that. Uh, what we're what are we going to talk about on the show today? Well, we'll be talking about a homecoming dud for the Jayhawks, Iowa State controlling Farmageddon, some expansion coming to the American Athletic Conference. Shocker fans, we're talking about what's happening and what's in the future for you here in about 15, 20 minutes. But we will start with the Kansas City Chiefs on a rebound as they beat the Washington football team. 31 to 13. Tommy, first half started great. You get a three and out defensively, early touchdown, and you're thinking, all right, these are the Chiefs. Get the tomahawk going. It's going to be a party. And then all of a sudden, the second quarter hits you like reality sacking John Gruden last week. Tyreek Hill drops a pass for an interception. McCole Hardman has a terrible fumble. Mahomes tosses an awful interception. The Chiefs are down at the half, and you are thinking, we are in trouble. The season is in trouble. Everything that I thought that I knew about what the Chiefs are is in trouble. But after the first drive of the third quarter, the Chiefs were basically unstoppable. Mahomes had a QBR of around 50 in the first half. He ended up with a QBR of around 91. So you average those together. That lets you know how amazing he was in the second half. The Chief offense returned to glory. And for the first time this year, the defense played well. The defense pit. I know, I know it was Washington. But they pitched a shutout in the second half. Positive points. Sabermetrically, the statistic, the defense added points to the Chiefs for the only time this year. And that stat has been way negative in some of their other games this year. Tommy, there is a lot to unpack. What is the biggest takeaway that you have from this win for the Chiefs that I don't necessarily think turns the season around I don't know if the season really needed to be turned around but it certainly did feel like it would have been a loss that we would have been having some really really difficult conversations if Washington had found a way to be more productive in that second half on Sunday well no I, I definitely think that that was a must win for Kansas City that was um, a, a golden opportunity to try to get some momentum going um, you know as we've talked about before Kansas City had a really tough opening five game stretch for the most part um, that they finished two and three I mean not the most ideal results for Kansas City they needed a get right week against Washington and I would say they got right 
in some ways. And then in other ways, it was just sort of baffling. Uh, Do I think that the Kansas City defense, all of their woes, all of their flaws are just magically fixed after a win against Washington? No, but I do think that this gave them a little bit of confidence as a unit overall. So I I do think that you can walk away with some some positives, um, at least feeling a little bit better if you're the Kansas City defense, give you some momentum going into future weeks. Offensively for Kansas City, I thought Daryl Williams was the highlight of the offense for the Chiefs. Definitely. I mean, you know, he took the ball, you know, obviously Clyde Edwards Elaire out. It was the first ever start for Daryl Williams. And I like this guy because not only was he an undrafted free agent for Kansas City, but he has sort of languished on the depth chart for a while. I mean, I know he's the primary backup this year, but in years past, he's backed up uh Damian Williams. He backed mm-hmm. up, I think he even backed up Kareem Hunt that one year. I I that yeah, I could be I wrong so. there, but I think he did, um, you know, but was the third string guy. And there have been other guys that have come in that have kind of been the primary backup, you know, like LaShawn McCoy and Le'Veon Bell and this year, Jarek McKinnon, you know, some, some veterans. And it never really felt like the coaching staff wanted to put the, the, the ball in his hands in a prominent role. Now he got that opportunity last week and rushed for 21 times, 62 yards, averaged about three yards a carry, which isn't huge as far as yards per carry, but he did have two scores and I thought he did look really good. Um, And I, you know, obviously he's not going to be the starter long-term for Kansas city, but while CEH is out hurt, I thought he, I thought he played pretty well. And did not turn the ball over. That's another big thing that we have been struggling with. The Chiefs, I say we, like I'm on the team, they have been struggling with in terms of the reasons why they have underperformed this year is turnovers, and he didn't do that. And was active in the passing game, too. Caught three balls. Was that reliable You know, threat out of the backfield? Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, again, had big games. Nice to see Demarcus Robinson come up. He had six targets uh, in in this game for Kansas City. And and overall, I think for the Chiefs, the biggest thing that I enjoyed seeing, and I know that Washington is not a powerhouse offense, nobody is going to be, you know, getting out of their shorts for Tyler, for Taylor Heineke, and, you know, 24 for 39, 182, one pick, one TD. He's just okay. He's an NFL quarterback, which, sure, he's better than 99% of all the quarterbacks rest in the rest of the world, but in terms of the NFL, he's just one of the top 32, and that's the best that he'll ever be. But I thought Nick Bolton played well, nine tackles. The coverage in the secondary really never got busted. They covered. They got pressure on the quarterback. They did not sack him, Tommy, but they did have seven quarterback hits in this game. First time holding a team under 350 yards the entire year. Washington is the worst offense the Chiefs have seen all year. So I'm interested to see if this is going to be a trend. Is Kansas City's defense actually bad or is it just the Chiefs have played some of the best offenses in the league? And when you look at who they've played, think about the playmakers that they have on their teams. The Browns, you've got Baker Mayfield. You've got one of the top three quarterbacks in the AFC, Lamar Jackson. You've got maybe the best quarterback. All apology to Chiefs fans, but based on how they've played this year, you got to give it to the Bills and Josh Allen. He's probably the best player, probably the MVP candidate out of the AFC this year. So is the Chiefs' defense actually bad? Or are we going to learn more and say, okay, they're not great. I don't think you can ever call them great because the Chiefs are going to have to find a way to beat the Browns. 
well, maybe not the Browns with the way they've been playing, but they're going to have to find a way to beat the Bills. They're going to have to find a way to beat the Ravens in order to make it back to the Super Bowl. And the schedule is trending a lot easier for Kansas City over the next few weeks. So we're going to know for sure, is this actually a bad defense or are they just exposable? Do they just have a matchup problem with the elite offenses? That'll still be a difficult question for the Chiefs to have to answer because they ain't getting back to the Super Bowl unless they can figure something out. But at least we'll have more confidence that the Chiefs are actually going to be the Chiefs, win the West, make the playoffs like they have done consistently under Andy Reid. Well, you know, uh, we'll talk about what's going to be happening this weekend with Kansas City um, in oh just a little bit. But I, I do yes, need to uh, – I'm going to correct you when you say the schedule trends a lot easier for Kansas City because they're playing it the does. Tennessee Titans who beat the Bills last week. Um, and they've got Derrick Henry. Overall. and. So I, mean, I know you're talking collectively, but it sure don't get any easier this weekend for Kansas City. Sure. That's for sure. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But as far as the defense is concerned, um, I, I think it's a combination of both. I think the Chiefs, I think it can be both. It's not, they're not mutually exclusive. The Chiefs defense can be bad, and that's just a fact, while also playing some of the best offenses in the league over the first five weeks of the season. So again, those two things are not mutually exclusive. But they didn't play bad against Washington. They might, I guess what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is maybe they're just average. I'm not saying they're going to be good, that they'll ever get too good, but maybe they are just average, actually. I think average is giving them a lot of credit. I mean, when you're two I don't know. Work- it's only one game. I know it's only one game. When you're two workhorses, you're two superstars on defense outside of Teron Matthew, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment or two, um, outside of Teron Matthew in Chris Jones, who has been injured and didn't see the field, and Frank Clark, who had one tackle, one tackle against Washington on Sunday. Yep. How are you going to have even an average defense? You know, I know that you've got other guys like, uh, you know, of course, Nick Bolton and Rashad Fenton had seven tackles. Legereus Sneed uh, in the secondary had four tackles. Mike Hughes has played pretty well. Juan Thornhill. I mean, those guys all contributed. And they, they but covered a lot better, too. They did, but they're they're not the ones that are making the big bucks like Chris Jones and Frank Clark are. No, they're not. Where, I mean, you know, again, Chris Jones is injured, but where has Frank Clark been? Uh, I mean, he's just completely disappeared all season long. And, you know, of course, that's not even talking about his off-the-field troubles right now. So that's got to be figured out real quick. And then with Teron Matthew, uh, you know, I can tell that there's been a little bit of discord with him and his teammates. We talked about that, his visible frustration on the field about the lack of coverage from his teammates in previous games. Um, you know, I love Teron Matthew. I love his personality. The guy likes to get on Twitter. He likes to tweet. I follow him. Um, he was not happy about being questioned as far as his tackling ability against uh, Washington. He called out Joshua Briscoe, who's a, a journalist in the Kansas City area, um, who questioned Teron Matthew and his effort in tackling, um, which, you know, getting in fights with media members on Twitter is never a good idea. Um, um, you know, so it, I, I have to wonder what exactly is going on with the big wigs, with the superstars on the defense for Kansas City. If you can't get those things figured out, then I think it's going to be it's going to be a stretch to say that the Chiefs are anywhere close to being average on defense. Listen, Tyron Matthew is not on the team to tackle. I don't know if he's ever been a elite tackler. If you have a guy and he's one on one out in coverage 
Tyron Matthews not going to wrap up. He's never wrapped up. He's not there to do that. That's not his job. I'm not saying that he shouldn't try to get better. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be questioned. I think it was a fair question from the media member. I I do want to push back a little bit because I feel like there's at least a narrative, and maybe it's not true. We don't live in Kansas City, so we're a little bit you know detached from it. You know, we don't have the same callers calling into Sports Talk Radio down here in Wichita talking Chiefs as they will up in Kansas City on 810, 610, and those those big stations. So we don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that we really have a true pulse of the kingdom here in sure. Wichita. But I know that there have been a lot of people saying that Tyron Matthews has been getting a lot of hate from Chiefs fans, at least on social media i would like to push back a little bit uh, on those chiefs fans who are basically begging the hunts to pay him like two minutes ago and now all of a sudden he's a bad guy i realize that he has had some bad body language but you know tyron matthews says that his his teammates like it when he gets fired up i have no reason to believe that the teammates that he has don't actually like him so until I have presented with some of that evidence, we're not going to give this guy who actually helped lead this team over the defensive hump, and it was a big hump to win a Super Bowl. We're not going to give him like a little, just a little benefit of the doubt. Really, Look, I, I, I absolutely am. I, I'm, I'm an not advocate. This out about you. For I, sure. I like Teron Matthew, and I'm an I advocate. Love Matthew. I, I'm an advocate that he needs to get paid. Uh, you yes. know, especially when he's about the most reliable, um, experienced, uh, and communicative defensive player that the chiefs By have far. he's the, he's the, the leader on defense for Kansas city. He's the field general out there defensively for the chiefs. Absolutely pay the man his money because surrounding him, you've got a lot of inexperience, uh, you know, especially in that secondary, it's a young secondary, all things considered. And so, you know, you, you need to pay the guy, you know, to be able to have him feel like you're committed to him. My my only beef with him, and I, it's not even really a beef, it's just the fact that you've got a defense that has kind of been in disarray, for lack of a better word, for better or for worse, for the first six weeks of the season. It's true. And rather than focusing on, all right, what are we going to do to get, you know, the, the defense solidified working with Steve Spagnola, um, his teammates, all of that, he's, you know, getting into arguments on Twitter with media members. I don't love that. I don't love that look, especially when this defense is trying to improve. And, but again, that's, that's, you know, secondary to me compared to the issues going on with the, with the two, you know, biggest, highest paid players on the chiefs defense and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. So turning our attention to the future and I will back up. I'm not sure if this is hot take hornable. What I said about the chiefs schedule getting easier because I do think it is getting easier, I may have slightly overstated how much easier it is getting. Now, the New York Giants are an absolute disaster. They're terrible. The Washington is not a good team. But you look at who the Chiefs have coming up to the bye week, and we'll get to, to the Titans in just a moment. But Green Bay is a one-loss team. Somehow the Raiders are just a two-loss team. And the Dallas freaking Cowboys, are aren't they 5-1? and one? So... This is obviously not the cup. I feel like I was saying, you know, Dickie V, like this is Cupcake City coming up the next few weeks. And I think that if you looked at it going into the season, you probably thought, you know, the NFC East is always awful. Nobody's going to be good there. Green Bay is in disarray with Aaron Rodgers. We don't believe, neither you or I 
believed that the Raiders were really going to be that team out of the West that would challenge. I think we both kind of had the Chargers as being that team. And obviously the Giants are, are complete disappointment. And I didn't think the Tennessee, I certainly didn't have Tennessee competing with the Buffalo Bills. So going up to the bye week, which is going to come, what, Thanksgiving week this year for the Chiefs. So good for them. They can have some Thanksgiving holiday off. Uh, this will not be an easy stretch of the schedule. No. I think the easiest stretch is probably going to be the last part of the schedule when they're playing the AFC West foes. They get the Bengals the second to last week of the season. Who knows how good the Steelers are? I, I have no idea where the Steelers are at right now. Um, but obviously, big divisional games and, and a huge return matchup against LA coming up December 16th. So as a Super Bowl participant... This is typically what you get. You don't get an easy schedule the next year, and the NFL certainly is delivering on that to the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I really believe that this game this weekend is a must-win for Kansas City against Tennessee. Uh, week seven, <clears throat> I really think it. I mean, do you? Do you? But they're in. They're in your conference. Do they you are. want? Do you want to end Week Seven with a three and four record? That's, you know, that's <laughs> no, not where obviously. Kansas City should should be right now. And again, to reiterate, the Chiefs schedule does not get easier moving on over the next several weeks. I do think that's hot take horn worthy. And the fact that you're controlling that button and not hot take corning yourself, I think is an indication that something is wrong on this program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, you but can still I, use the horn, I believe. I think that functionality still exists. Uh, well, I, I just thought that maybe since you were manning it, that you would want to actually hot take horn yourself. How many times have you hot take horned yourself in the history of this show? Like, never? I mean, I'm sure I have. I can't remember a specific <laughs> time. Either. But I'm sure that I have. Uh, but look, I mean, the fact that and I, again, I we talked about it before on the show. I hate it when, you know, you do that whole or not you, but just people in general do the whole uh, this team lost to this team, but this team lost to this team. That means we're going to whatever. Like, I, I don't like that. However, with this upcoming game, I'm going to do that. The Chiefs are playing the Titans. The Titans beat the Bills and the Bills. The Bills destroyed Kansas City two weeks ago. So it's going to be a tough matchup for Kansas City. Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. Uh, he proved that again a week ago against the Bills when he absolutely ran all over them. And it's going to be a tough test. If, you, if you're if you Kansas City, you don't want to enter week eight with a three and four record, a losing record, and you know being in the basement of the AFC West. Says he hates the the transitive property. Uses the transitive property in the same sense. What? Well, look. How let am me I supposed to work with this. Let me actually. Well, and I actually need to interrupt here really quick because the Dodgers uh, they just hit a home run and it looks like they they t they took the You're lead. It's, th it's yeah, it's three to two Dodgers in, in the second. Unfortunately, um, but we'll get back to the Chiefs. I, I'm I know I'm, I'm distracted here, but the, no, I, okay. I do want to I do want to actually give you some substantive. Um, reasoning as to why the Chiefs need to improve their gameplay, especially this week against Tennessee. You know, we talked well, a lot it's about it's not going to be easy because, as it's you mentioned, Derrick Henry, the, the three and two Titans are now four and two. They beat the Bills. Yep. It was an impressive win. And Derrick Henry went into week six games. I did not check and see how he did against the Bills. I'm sure he was great, but he led he the great. NFL coming into this week with 640 rushing yards. He had 765 all purpose yards, seven yep. rushing 
rushing touchdowns. And the Chiefs, this year, you go week by week. The Chiefs, defensively against the run, have not exactly been great. Now, they have not played teams that have necessarily wanted to run the football a whole lot, with the exception, of course, of the Baltimore Ravens, who absolutely shredded Kansas City for like 250. Uh, 251 so they absolutely put the Chiefs like they were a like cheese going through a grater is how bad that was for Kansas City week two and you know that Tennessee with Derrick Henry a back like him they are overly committed to the run as they should be so no this will not be an easy turnaround and it will be probably what the second best rushing offense the Chiefs have faced this season and maybe the second best rushing offense in the entire league behind Baltimore well, yeah, without a doubt. But I, I guess my point is that even though we and other media members and other you know fans and everybody, they all they're doing is poking holes in the defense, which isn't hard to do and totally deserved of that. But there's a whole other issue with Kansas City that we, you and I, have not talked about this week, and that's what the is turnovers. That? Kansas City ranks dead last in the NFL in turnovers. They have given the ball away more than any other team in the National Football League. They have 14 turnovers through six games. Coming in second are the Jacksonville Jaguars with 12. Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars with 12. And the Chiefs, their their turnover differential is next to last, second only to the Jaguars. So, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, we can talk about how bad the defense has been. And yeah, they've been pretty bad and and they've struggled at times for sure. But they need to stop turning the football over. And some of those decisions, and I I hate being critical of Patrick Mahomes, but you referenced it in the open to this segment. He had the most atrocious interception that I've ever seen in my life against Washington. They've got to get that cleaned up. They have to get it cleaned up. I know that, like, I was list- I listened to the whole game on the radio, and I know that they tried to explain it away, or at least the color analyst did, that, oh, well, you know, Dana Hughes, like, oh, he, he's, he saw this, he was trying to force it down. Like, what? That, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is too smart to think that he can make that throw. And I Take realized the sack. we talked. Take the sack. Yes. Throw the, throw the ball away. Throw it away. Don't, you cannot. We talked about this. He had the awful interception against the Ravens. He had a bad. Inter, he's, he has made more bad decisions this year, maybe in the first couple of years outside of his rookie season where he didn't play a full year and the game was too fast for him and he, he wasn't ready, but he had that seasoning and the next year he came in and you know threw 50 touchdowns. He's making poor decisions this year. And I don't, I can't put my finger on, I don't, I don't know why that is that it's happening. If he's trying to force it too much, if he's thinking the defense is really bad, I have to make every play. I don't know why that is, but it's definitely something, a conversation that he, Andy Reid, Eric Bietami need to sit down and have is why are you making decisions that you haven't made before? Or the scarier reality is, Tommy, did he just get lucky? You know, most quarterbacks, when they try to throw the ball left-handed, it looks awful. It's an interception. It, it looks terrible. For Patrick Mahomes, it worked. When Patrick Mahomes runs to his left and does this you know, Jordan thing and throws it to the other side, it's worked the last few years. Maybe he is regressing to the average because for most players, no matter how good they are, even if they're Tom Brady and they've won 800 Super Bowls, most quarterbacks... No matter if you're Tom Brady or Terry Bradshaw or Joe Montana or, you know, Peyton Manning, 
Typically, you want to be throwing with your feet set. You want to, you know, read the defense, and you want to make a decision. You don't want to be jumping around. Maybe the coverage is bad. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Tommy, Patrick Mahomes is making, and like I said, like you said, this is not a Patrick Mahomes is bad segment. This is not a, you know, we need to figure out what's wrong. Nothing's wrong with Patrick Mahomes. But he is making more bad decisions this year than he's ever made before. And six weeks into the season, I think it's fair to be concerned about. Yeah, I just think that ultimately, you know, there have been some bad decisions. There have been some forced throws. I think a lot of it, you know, defenses are adjusting a lot more to him. Um, you know, that they've, you know, the, the other teams have had an opportunity to see him several times now. They know some of the things that he's going to try to do. Um, you know, he's always going to, you know, surprise you in that sort of thing. But, you know, they, they've adjusted to him for sure. Um, and then there have been some other, you know, turnovers that have not been his fault at all. You know, the ball bouncing right out of Tyreek Tyre, Tyre Hill's hands a couple different times um that's not good either you know so ultimately it's a collective effort and especially going into a matchup against a team like the titans they've got to hold on to the football and so the chiefs will be back in action and back on the road coming up on sunday at tennessee it is a noon kickoff and of course you can watch the game since it's an afc matchup it will be on cbs the American Athletic Conference has officially expanded CBS Sports with the report, announcing six new programs are going to join the league, 15 total members, 14 will be playing football as Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, Alabama, Birmingham, and Texas, San Antonio. All are members of the Conference USA. Currently, they will be joining the American Conference coming up. I have not seen any formal start dates for these programs. However, CBS Sports reports that they will begin competition at the start of the 2023-2024 season as members of the AAC. Of course, the move was precipitated by Big 12 Conference expansion after Oklahoma and Texas left. The Big 12 poached the three best members from the AAC, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida. Big 12, of course, is unsure about the departure timeline of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, as are everybody else. So could those schools come in sooner? If they come in sooner, could those six schools leave Conference USA sooner? Who knows? We're not here to try to figure that out. What we are trying to figure that out is what does this mean for Wichita State? The Shockers moved into the American Athletic Conference because they wanted a higher profile conference for their men's basketball team. And they did not want to feel like if they did not win their conference tournament each and every year that they were going to get left out or if they were going to get, you know, not win their conference tournament and still be good enough to get in, that they weren't going to be relegated to a 12 seed or a 10 seed or being sent to Dayton to play in that play-in game for each and every tournament. That was the whole reason that the move was made. Not that it didn't have implications for the other sports like baseball, softball, volleyball, that Wichita State cares the most about, but men's basketball, of course, was the main driver of the move. And so the question that we have to ask, Tommy, is what does Wichita State athletics look like right now? I know that there are going to be questions from the softball fans, volleyball fans, and baseball fans about what this looks like, and probably to a lesser extent women's basketball too, but the the main thing that is driving Wichita State branding revenue right now is men's basketball. What will this mean for men's basketball for the Shockers? And based on that, Tommy, in your mind, what does this conference expansion by the AAC mean for WSU Athletics as a whole? 
Well, I, I think it means the Missouri Valley is looking awful, awfully good right now. Um, th- really? This is, oh, yeah. Th- this is awful. This is an awful expansion. Um, you know, Mike Oresco, uh, the commissioner of the AAC, made it pretty public that he was going out and courting all of these replacement schools and, you know, had all of these grand visions and all of this stuff. And I'm sorry, there's not a single team in this expansion that excites me whatsoever. And there's not a single team in this expansion that should excite Wichita State fans, especially basketball fans whatsoever. This is an epic fail. At least the Missouri Valley has Loyola Chicago. Uh, you know, and they've been a perennial team the last couple of years okay. in the NCAA tournament. I'm just that, saying the last couple of years, I was going to say perennial let's relax. Cause Loyola Chicago before the last couple of years has been kind of just okay. And I mean, okay. I know that they were added to the Missouri Valley to bolster that league, but let, let's not act like they've, they've been even at the level that you and I had for a number of years or, or certainly not Creighton's level when they were in the Valley. Okay, so, you know, obviously the AAC lost primarily Cincinnati and Houston as far as men's basketball is concerned. That is Basketball correct. brands, right? Cincinnati and Houston. Absolutely. They replaced, I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but this coincided, this whole expansion news coincided today with the Conference USA preseason men's basketball poll where... The schools that are relocating to the American Conference, they were picked in their conference preseason poll 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 11th. 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 11th in the in Conference USA. North Texas, Charlotte, Rice, FAU, UTSA. That's Those are the replacement schools for Cincinnati and Houston. Now, obviously, this is a massive trickle-down effect. This starts with the SEC. It starts with Texas and OU. And then the Big 12, they have to go out, and they, they end up finding inferior uh, replacements for Texas and OU in Cincinnati and Houston and BYU. And then, of course, it trickles down to the American Conference from there. But this, if you're a Wichita State fan, we talked about this a couple of months ago. We talked about this back in July when this announcement was first talked about that Texas and OU were going to the SEC. What would this eventually mean for Wichita State? We know now, and we, you know, obviously, if hindsight, if that was, if hindsight was 2020, this would not be a good move. This would not be a conference that Wichita State would move to if given the opportunity right now, if they were not already in the conference. So I, I will say one big omission that we do have to say, Alabama-Birmingham is coming to um, the American, and they were picked to win the, sure. the Conference USA this year. So I realize that the other five are not bringing that kind of cachet, but theoretically, the American is getting the best men's basketball program out of Conference USA, at least based on the preseason poll. Maybe Rice wins it this year. You know, we can't predict that. So it's not like they're getting nothing. Does UAB? Yeah, because when I when I think of a, a men's basketball powerhouse in college hoops, I think of the University of Alabama Birmingham. I, Come on, I'm not. Well, I mean, I get I don't it, care but... if they were I don't care if they were picked first or not in, in Conference USA. 
It's all about brand awareness. We've talked about this multiple times. And here's what I think is most concerning. It's not even necessarily about the schools that the American Conference are getting. It's about the schools that turned them down. I mean, there were several schools that the American reached out to. Mike Oresco courted publicly to come and join. And they were turned down. Air Force was one. And uh, who else? Colorado State, I think, was one of them. Uh, Uh, There were... According to CBS Sports, it was Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State, State, and San Diego State were the four schools that were reportedly courted from the Mountain West. Of course, they decided to stand pat, and the Mountain West commissioner uh, said earlier this week that the conference is going to stay at its 12 current members, and there's no plans to expand in the Mountain West. I think that ultimately, you know, there's always been this talk about the American conference being kind of the bonus conference in the power five system. Kind of you've got the power five plus one right with the American. I don't I don't think that's the case anymore with with the with the fact that they're losing Cincinnati and Houston specifically. um, And and I, you know, the the replacements that they got in my mind, at least. Right. But uh, with the replacements that they they got and, and that's not a knock on these programs and what they're doing in the mid-major world, like uh, all credit goes to what UAB has done in men's basketball. I know for a fact, North Texas has a better football program than the University of Kansas has. Um, The University of Kansas tried to get the North Texas coach to come there and coach there a couple of years ago. Uh, So, uh, you know, I, I know that what these teams have done individually and in their worlds and their conference worlds in Conference USA, that's great. That's fine. I've got no problem with that at all. But this greatly diminishes the influence of the American Conference. And in my mind, it shoves Wichita State you know, back down a peg a little bit. And all of a sudden there's a good chance that Wichita state could be like what they were in the Missouri Valley, where they're the dominant program in a conference that might struggle to get bids in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to push back with the same argument that I had when we were talking about Texas and Oklahoma leaving and how all the, you know, Kansas state fans all want to go to the PAC 12 and KU fans all want to go to the big 10 Here's the thing. This is the reality that we're living in. Who else is um, the American going to get once you pursue those Mountain West schools? You're not getting anybody from the Power Five. That That is a given. No school in the Power Five is going to come, especially after the Big 12 put its flag in the soil and took the three best programs, maybe the three best you know brands that they could have gotten off the board other than, you know, I would say maybe Air Force, but they put those, you know, those three schools plus BYU and they say, okay, we are planting our flag. We are a power five program. We might be the worst power five program. Well, maybe not because the the Pac-12 is kind of a mess right now, but we may be the worst power five program, but we're not a group of five program. We are better than them. We're on this side of the fence. And being on that side of the fence is the most important thing. If you're the American, your choice is either adapt or die. There was no other medium with which to survive. There was no other avenue for success. So they had to take who they could get. Are they going to go for Southern Miss? I mean, who who else are they going to go for? You know, Georgia Southern. There's nobody why not explore, else for them to why, get. Why not explore some kind of merger? I mean, why not rather than trying to who knows poach, if they didn't. 
Well, I mean, why not explore that more? Like, rather than trying to poach Mountain West teams, maybe merge with the Mountain West. I don't know. That would heighten your profile some. I, I would rather do that than try to take cherry pick, you know, maybe, yeah, UAB's, you know, preseason number one in that conference, but then pick six through 11 as your other preseason men's basketball replacements in the American conference. Like I, I just feel like it, it, it's not as hard and fast as either adapt or die. Like I think it's adapt, adjust or die. And they clearly didn't adjust. They're trying to adapt. I think it's going to lead to them dying. Uh, I mean, here's the thing, you know, you, you have to, you have got to do the best that you can do with the situation that you're given, which is what the Big 12 did. I mean, it, whether or not the American is going to die now, they're not going to die. There's no chance they're going to die. Conference they USA might, is... They might fade into obscurity, though. I mean, maybe, but they're going to have a conference and a place to play their athletics. Conference USA is going to die. I believe that the Sun Belt is going to take the rest of those programs fold them in conference USA, which has been around as a national brand. They were like this close to having like a super conference of like 30 schools, you know, a few years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. I remember that story and it never happened. And they did not recover. Once the big East split off and became its own entity, the American came into existence in conference USA. I think this will be the death of the conference USA. So the American is going to be around. Does this hurt the, the preeminence of Wichita state basketball? It will. I don't think that it's necessarily a nail in the coffin. Remember the best years that the shockers had were when they were playing in the mountain in the Missouri Valley Conference. They had great years, they had great teams, they made it far in the NCAA tournament, and that was based on the strength of Greg Marshall. He found a way to get the players to Wichita that they needed to be nationally competitive. Does it put more pressure on them, and Darren Boatwright especially, to build that non-conference schedule? Absolutely. It will make the non-conference schedule way more important. It's going to make trying to get those games, you're going to have to be trading games because teams are too scared to Come and play in Coke Arena, just like they were before. I think that we were maybe on the on the cusp of turning that perception around. As an American, you can go and lose at an American conference member on the road. You can't do that to an, a to Missouri Valley conference member, even Wichita State. So I, it will make it more difficult. But it's not necessarily, you know, just shovel Wichita State basketball and the whole athletic program in the ground and it's over. It's a blow. It's a big blow, but it's not a death blow to Wichita State. You know, it's not, but I also think that if I'm the Kansas Board of Regents, if I'm Dr. Rick Muma, the president of Wichita State, if I'm Darren Boatwright, the athletic director at WSU, I am even more aggressive in potentially trying to find a way out. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Okay, but we've had this conversation with Jayhawk fans and Wildcat fans. I hate to tell you this. The Big Ten, if they wanted Kansas, they would have invited us already. If the Pac-12 wanted Kansas State, they would have invited them already. That's the way it is. This is the best time with the least amount of resistance, the least amount of dollars that they would have had to spend, the, the conferences or the programs. This would be the easiest natural time. If there was a place that really, really wanted, there are a lot of conferences that would want Wichita State. Don't get me wrong. There are a ton of conferences and KU and Kansas State too, but they're not mutually beneficial destinations. It would be way more beneficial for, you know, the Atlantic 10, of course, they would want Wichita State, but that wouldn't serve Wichita State athletics in any way. So I, I guess my question to you, since you bring that up, 
what's the destination? Where do you try to go? What is the big market improvement for Wichita State Athletics? I would make two phone calls. I would make a phone call to the Big East, and I would make a phone call to the Mountain West. Uh, Those would be the two conferences that I would take a look at that I think even marginally has better exposure for Wichita State. And I think marginally is an understatement. I think significantly, potentially. For the the Big East, I agree with you. The Mountain West, I think that that is a pipe dream that has 0% chance of happening. There's no geographic connection. Wichita State does not play football, and I don't think that Mountain West, the Mountain West needs the help basketball-wise like the American did when they really felt the impetus to invite Wichita State because they had the odd number of teams. They kind of became you know, the replacement for Navy. It made all the schedules mesh together really nicely. There's not that drive to get them to the Mountain West. The Big East, I think, could be intriguing. I, I think the Mountain West, they just said that there's, they're not expanding. They're, that's not going to happen. The Big East, though, I will let you expand on that because I do think that that would be a massive upgrade to what they're currently getting. I mean, hell, they've won national championships with Villanova over the last decade. That's a, you know, a modern blue blood program. I guess the next thing we have to think about, though, Tommy, how likely, if you're the Big East... What do you feel, how do you feel about inviting another public school program into kind of your private school, you know, club that you have created for yourself? It's a whole new world. I mean, at the end of the day, preconceived notions and traditions and the way we've always done things, it has to go out the window. Um, It it goes back to what you said before, adapt or die, right? And and that's the way that these conferences are are having to look at it. They're doing okay, though. I feel like they're they're good. They have a good TV deal. They're on Fox. Sure, but I definitely think that what Wichita State and their pedigree in men's basketball and what they bring to the table historically, what the program means, what the market means, I think that they would fit well in the Big East. And, you know, uh, then that might not be realistic. I don't know. I'm just saying that especially after the news about the American expansion today, and pretty much now Wichita State men's basketball-wise, at least, is the most high-profile program left in the American, you've got to start to explore a way out, in my opinion. This is not, and I'm going to state this plainly and clearly, this is not the conference that the Wichita State Shockers signed up for when they left the Missouri Valley. No. It's just it's just not. And so because of that, I think you have to start to explore a way out. And the other thing, too, that I think that you have to consider is, you know, Wichita State Athletics wants to sell tickets. They want people to be in Coke Arena primarily for men's basketball. I am of the belief that there's such a connection to volleyball and that the volleyball fans for the Shockers, they're going to show up no matter, you know, no matter where they're playing volleyball. Sure. The people who are showing up for volleyball are going to be there. I believe that. I believe the people who are going to be there for women's basketball are going to be there, but they want people to show up for men's basketball. Yep. And I think that if you ask the average Shocker fan, who would you rather play these teams in the American or would you rather play Villanova? I'm kind of interest you in St. John's and right. getting Creighton, the Creighton rivalry back together. Yep. Marquette, yep. Georgetown, they're not the Hoyas of Patrick Ewing's day. You know, so let's let's 
but Providence has a big name. You know, there there are schools there that I feel like would move the needle for Shocker fans more than what they're currently getting. There's a nice little bridge, the western half of the league. You've got Creighton and Wichita State as travel partners. The 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 one of the problems that I see here, I believe, is that the Big East I think has uh, an even number of teams in it currently. And so Wichita State would make, not that that's necessarily the end all be all, um, but, you know, necessarily. Take Memphis with you. Okay. I don't know. I mean, you know. So they have 11 right now. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. You remember Butler's in that university? I did, did not, did not realize that butler's in the university um uconn is in the university is in the in the university in the conference um but yeah i mean i think memphis the problem is memphis plays football memphis has decided that they want to be a football school you know whether or not they can be you know that's a different discussion kind of outside the scope of our of our podcast but um anyway yeah i think the big east if you if you put a gun to my head today and say Big East or American, I would probably choose Big East because it's a non-football league. You don't even have to put a gun to my head and I tell you that right now. Sure. Uh, you know, but do you alienate your conference members? Do you care if you pursue no. that too hard? Who cares? Who cares? This is not the conference that the Shockers signed up for. I'm sorry. When we entered the American conference, when the Shockers did, uh, I don't know. I'm sure Shocker fans are pretty excited about you know, facing Houston twice a year, you know, or facing Cincinnati twice a year. Now they get to face North Texas and the university of, of, you know, San Antonio, Texas, San Antonio. Like, no, this is not the conference that the shockers wanted to be in. Like I said before, you'd almost rather be in the Missouri Valley. I I don't know if I would go that far. I think I'd stay put rather than go back to the Missouri Valley, especially if I took history, tradition, and you know previous relationships completely out of the picture. But I'm not saying go back to the Missouri Valley. I'm saying if you had known this was the way it was going to end up, you probably would have stayed in the Missouri Valley. Left, okay, right, but but you wouldn't go back now based over what they have. No. That, that's what I thought you were saying. I'm like, let's relax on that. So, Shocker fans, uh, I'll be really interested to see how this plays out here in the Wichita market coming up, how they will view this. I haven't heard anybody saying Wichita State to the Big East. Uh, you know, could Wichita State be that team that would give the Big East a nice even number of 12? Do they want to get to 12? Do they want to get to 14? I, I don't know. Those are all interesting questions and and probably conversations that Darren Boatwright and Shockers will be having here over the coming weeks. Iowa State, Farmageddon against Kansas State and the Cyclones, a storm over the Kansas State Wildcats. They went at 33-23. to Both teams came in with a 3-2 and record, and you felt like, Tommy, it was a chance to really decide what kind of a trajectory their season was going to be on. Both teams had top 25 aspirations coming into the year. Obviously, Iowa State's are diminished far, far greater than Kansas State's were because they were so much better than, than Kansas State was coming into the year in terms of what they believed they could achieve. Iowa State thought, you know what, we can win a, a conference championship for the first time in you know 800 years. Kansas State was thinking we can get back to being in the top 25, being a top echelon team. Being an upper echelon Big 12 team at this point, 
I think that that is obviously over for Kansas State. They're 0-3 in the Big 12, and they've probably played three the three best teams that they'll play in the Big 12. But if you don't beat any of the three best teams that you can play in the Big 12, you can't call yourself an upper echelon team. You just can't. I know they can get a marquee win over Texas to end the year, but you can't be a Big 12 top-tier team if you lose to Iowa State. I know it's weird saying that they're a top-tier team this year, but if you're losing to Iowa State and, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, you can't be a top-tier team. Iowa State kind of turns that around now. Maybe they can get going. Maybe they can challenge, trip up Oklahoma in one of those games and get themselves back in that picture. And Tommy, I think for Kansas State fans, the thing that has to be the most frustrating about this game, there were times when Kansas State really feel like it, they moved the ball at will. The second to last drive for Kansas State in the fourth, their second drive of the game, they really just kind of plowed down the field. And people will look at the defense, but... Kansas State turned the ball over, interception in the first. Defense had to defend a short field. They couldn't. Offensively, in the third quarter, Kansas State didn't do anything. And I know that you have been critical about the play calling. Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin combined for six carries, 44 yards, six first downs in the third. But Kansas State really couldn't do much because they just couldn't get Iowa State off the field. They had 10 minutes of possession that they allowed the Cyclones to have. They went on an 18-play, 93-yard drive that was just back-breaking. Kansas State got the stop. But they got flagged for illegal substitution. Iowa State goes 5-for-5 on third down and broke the Cats back in that game. Kansas State, I think at this point, they got to be thinking, let's turn things around and get bowl eligible. Let's get to seven wins. Getting into that top three, like I think you predicted that they would get to, that's out the window at this point. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think what's concerning for Wildcat fans is, you know, Kansas State, they've lost eight Big 12 games in a row. Dating back to last season, wow. um, you know, the, and and they just That's have usually not something that only the Jayhawks do, <laughs> right? They they've just not been able to beat conference opponents. Um, really, I'm pretty sure that I I don't have last season's schedule in front of me, but I'm pretty positive the last Big Twelve game that Kansas State won was against Kansas last year. Um, and since that time, they've lost right. every other every other conference game that they've played. Um, that, that's, that's concerning. Uh, I would say a little bit, especially in year three of the Chris Kleiman era. Um, at this point, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting a, a rebound from year two, a jump back up to kind of what we saw in year one under him. Um, and you'd like to start to see that, that progress, especially in conference play. And it just really hasn't been there. Now, there's been a variety of reasons why that's been the case. Of course, we you know we all know about the injuries, especially at the quarterback, quarterback position. Yeah. Um, but you know, ultimately, like if you look at what happened against Iowa State, the Cyclones are just a superior team. Um, they're they were just a better football team. They are from top to bottom than Kansas State is. They're in a different echelon of talent than the Wildcats uh, are in the Big Twelve. And I think if you you know you look at the stats for this game, um, you know the the defense for Kansas State just really wasn't there. They gave up 418 total yards against the Cyclones. You know Brock Purdy, um, you know didn't throw for a ton of yards, but he was fairly efficient for the most didn't part. But need really, to. it was. It was really Brees Hall. We know what Brees Hall can do running the football for for Iowa State. Uh, the, the Wildcat defense gave up 210 total rushing yards. 197 of them came from Brees Hall in two scores. Um, you know they they just they were not able to stop that run. And th- again, uh, I think concerning is the right word to use. And just what the Wildcats are going to do moving forward. Are they going to be able to at least salvage? Uh, I mean, we know they're going to beat Kansas, so that streak is going to 
end, you know, at some point. But will they be able to salvage any other Big 12 wins? Well, I mean, I look at this Kansas State team. This is a team that we both really believed in coming into the year. I think that we've both been surprised that they haven't been better defensively. And, you know, that might not be totally fair to say because I do think that in the Oklahoma State and Iowa State games especially, the offense really put the defense in some tough situations. And, you know, I mean, against Oklahoma State, I remember they had, you know, what, they had had to defend like a 30-yard field or a 20-yard field or something, or there was a pick six in that game. Iowa State, they had a short field to defend. So I don't feel like this is a defense that's giving up as many points. They're scoring, and there's a basketball coach that I worked with in pregame, who would say they're scoring on our offense right now. I feel like that is a problem that Kansas State is having is that their offense is putting their defense in a bad spot and that the offense is actually giving up more points than the defense is at the moment. But I look at the schedule, Tommy, and I really feel like this is a team that can win six in a row. I mean, if you're Kansas State and you believe in your program, you know, I know people have been telling me about Baylor. I don't believe in Baylor. I just don't. I don't believe in Baylor yet. I think Kansas State can win all six of the games left on its schedule. They got Texas Tech on the road this week, TCU. They're gonna they'll beat Kansas by at least three scores, probably by six scores. I think they can beat West Virginia. I think they can beat Baylor. I think they can win at Texas. I do. I think they can win at Texas the day after Thanksgiving. So if you're Kansas State, I think that's got to be your goal. Run the table, win six in a row. I don't know if that gets you back into the top twenty-five, but it does get you into a pretty damn good bowl game probably close to New Year's Day. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it really is going to come down to, you know, can Coach Kleiman bring the locker room together? Um, there were some challenges with that last season. Um, there were some players that left the program because they weren't willing, I think, to buy into what Coach Kleiman wanted to do with the culture at Kansas State. Um, and, and there's been some press in the past about, is there just some general tension with the coaching staff at Kansas State with the players, and I don't really buy into a lot of that. However, I thought it was pretty telling, and I don't know if you had a chance to to see this um, after the the loss against Iowa State when Coach Kleiman asked the media to help him spread a positive message. Um, which you know, w- when you're when you're doing that, clearly there things are maybe not weird great yeah. in the locker room. Um, sure. and, and I don't, I, again, you, I don't, I'm not in there. I don't want to read too much into exactly what's going on, but not when you're asking job to do that, right. When you're asking members of the media to help make things more positive for the players, um, there might be some struggle in bringing the team together. Sure. He's going to need that. He's going to need that buy-in if they want to try to, to break that streak as soon as possible. And you do have some winnable games coming up. Texas tech is not the best team in the big Well, by any stretch of the imagination, as you mentioned, Baylor is coming up for Kansas State. Kansas is coming up. They will break that streak. There's no doubt about it. But can Coach Kleiman bring that team together, unify the team without the media's help, without any external factors, just what they bring to the table as a group and bring them together to win football games? 
Red Raiders coming up at Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock. That is a 11 a.m. kickoff coming up on FS1, Fox Sports 1, on Saturday. And they'll be playing the team that basically demolished any hope that you have, if you're a Kansas fan, that your team is actually going to win a game this year. Because after the first quarter, Kansas was not really in this game. It was 7-0 at the end of the first. But then that second quarter, it's what Coach Leopold said after the game, really was the crusher as they scored well, – they scored 17 unanswered in the second, 14 unanswered in the third, and they were ahead 41 to nothing. At one point in this game, they ended up beating Kansas, who somehow scored twice in the last minute to make the score look semi-respectable. It wasn't. 41 to 14. KU's running game, I thought, actually was respectable in this game. 33 carries, 145 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. Devin Neal had 15 carries for 54, averaged 3.5, but KU got nothing out of the passing game. Jason Bean was confused. He looked overwhelmed. 11 for 21, an interception, and 80 yards. I'm not saying it was all his fault because I don't think that they have really anybody in the receiving core that you can rely on in the passing game, but there was a complete lack of big plays for Kansas. Miles Kendrick had the biggest play from scrimmage for KU in this game. 22 yards he ran in the fourth quarter, and that was the best that KU could do. But Jason Bean, who had looked like a bright spot earlier this year, you thought, okay, maybe he can spark the Jayhawks to something. I thought the way that Texas Tech shut him down was really, really surprising to me and, and really disappointing. I, I still like Jason Bean. I think it's a growing process in a new program um, with, you know, not a lot of weapons around you. Um, I think he is long-term a noticeable upgrade over the other options at quarterback for uh, KU. But yeah, he, he didn't have a good game. And there have been a couple of games that he hasn't played well in. But there have been others that he's played decent. Uh, and I think it's just going to take some time. I would still pick him over Miles Kendrick, who, by the way, I didn't even know Miles Kendrick was still on the roster. Uh, it had been a while since I've even seen him uh, on the field. Uh, but, you know, I, I would still choose him over Kendrick. Uh, Jalen Daniels, it looks like, is taking a red shirt this season, which is probably for the best. So I would still take Jason Bean, um, you know, over the alternatives. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a collective effort. Um, you know, if if you, I don't know, it, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, right? Like we just, we, we're talk, we talk about the same things every week with them because there's really nothing different. There's really nothing else to talk about um, other than if you thought that this past weekend was bad, wait until the Oklahoma game on Saturday. Well, yeah, yeah, we will get to that in just a moment. Uh, I don't want to get way, to that in just a, K, in just a moment. KU, that, uh, talking about Oklahoma, KU cannot stop the run. Texas no. Tech came in with the seventh-ranked rushing offense in the Big 12. They averaged 168 yards per game. They ran 42 times for 244 on the Hawks. Their rush defense is so bad that they got Texas Tech to go away from the air raid offense. They were yeah. the number two passing offense in the Big 12. They averaged 287. They only threw for under 200 against KU because KU's run defense was that porous. KU got an interception in the first that was huge defensively, but KU gave it right back with interception. Soul-crushing. Three plays later, KU got zero stops. On Texas Tech in the second and third quarter, they had six straight scoring drives with touchdowns. KU had 20 yards in the second quarter. 20. Tommy, Texas Tech, by all accounts, was by far the second worst team in the Big 12, without question. And KU is regressing 
Are you concerned about this? I know it's only year one, but the way that they had played against better competition, at least through 30 minutes, you thought, okay, maybe they can be close through the third quarter against one of these lower teams. Maybe they can be close with 10 minutes left. They haven't been able to prove that they can play in the second half at all under Lance Leopold, really, except for South Dakota. They have not played well in the second half of any of these games. But to regress as much as they did against the second-worst team in the Big 12, I, I thought was surprising. I wasn't surprised that they lost, but I definitely did not think they were going to get drummed by 40 You know, before the late two touchdowns. I didn't think Texas Tech was going to be 40 points better. Um, if I, am I concerned? Uh, yeah. Um, but... That that level of concern has been a constant in my life for the last decade, um, and it, it's not it's not going away anytime soon. And there's really no solution for it at this point. No, it it, it is it is what it is. I mean, look, like we, we again we we knew coming into this season it was going to be like this. We did. Um, all you can hope for, in my opinion, I've said it before and I'll say it again. All you can hope for is to see some progress. And I'm not even saying game to game at this point because it's not even game to game. It's season to season. As long as we can go in to year number two looking a little better than we looked in year number one, then okay, we're, we're making some progress here. But um, no, like, it, you know, full disclosure, my my brother and I are going to the KU Oklahoma game on Saturday. Yes, we will you be, are. We will be inside Memorial Stadium. For that How much massacre? alcohol are you going to consume before this game to make this at least somewhat watchable for this 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN? Why do they always put KU when they're playing a good team on ESPN so everybody in the world can see how bad KU is? At least it's not in prime time. Um, but to answer your answer your question, um, the really the only reason that I'm going is because we will be in what they call the touchdown club, and there is oh. there is free beer the entire game. Uh, so I'm going there to drink free beer basically, um, and and just watch the the Jayhawks get destroyed. Wow. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, like yeah, it's. It, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's like going back to the girl that broke your heart, like every time after she cheats on you, and you continuously go back, and you know she's gonna do it again, but you keep going back. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's I'm concerned for sure, but there's there's literally nothing that anybody can do about it at this at this point. Well, as we mentioned, the massacre will be televised. KU and OU, 11 a.m. on ESPN, if you have some reason to want to watch that. Time to wrap up the show, but we cannot do that without hitting the music. It is time for our Wichita Whip Around. One story from around the air capital that you probably missed this week that we feel you have to know before we come back to you with our next show. Tommy, we will whip with you first as normal. What is your story for this week? So I actually have two, uh, and okay. mainly because we are, spoiler alert, not going to be back next week on, on a show. Um, so I want to get two in here really quick. Number one, congratulations to the girls' golf team at Cape and Mount Carmel as they won the Keisha 5A Girls State Golf Tournament, which was held at Carried Park on uh, in Hutchinson uh, earlier this week on Monday and Tuesday. They absolutely dominated winning the team state title with a two-day total of, eight, of 636 
strokes, which was 89 strokes better than second place. Congratulations to Catherine and Meg Tilma, who finished second and third individually. Over those two days, the individual title went to Mays High School freshman Kinsley Jones, who finished at six over, winning by three strokes. So congratulations to Cape and Mount Carmel for the team title and Kinsley Jones from Mays High School for the individual title in 5A Girls State Golf. And then my other uh, story very quickly is uh, just a reminder that Wichita Thunder Hockey is back next weekend. It's opening weekend for the Thunder. They start their year in Wichita on Friday, October 29th against Utah and Saturday, October 30th against Wheeling. Both games will be in Interest Bank Arena. A lot of big festivities on both nights, including a Halloween costume contest on Friday and a big block party on Saturday. So a lot going on with those games at Interest Bank Arena next weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Or there we go. I will go with Wichita State basketball. Actually had a closed public scrimmage with the Texas Tech Red Raiders and uh, didn't always go well for Wichita State from what was reported. Obviously, uh, they did not allow any cameras, did not allow a full media compliment inside. However, according to reports, Texas Tech won the first scrimmage rather handily. It was a 52-28 nod in favor of the Red Raiders. The Shockers did play without Jenkins. They played without Morris Udeze, who was out with a shoulder injury. However, the Shockers won the second scrimmage, building a big lead and holding on to win. They won 18-12 in the half-court portion of that scrimmage, 33-31 overall. Texas Tech, of course, dominated the first scrimmage. Wichita State had a big lead in the second scrimmage, held on to win. Tyson Etienne, the AAC, Pre-season player of the year in the conference, 15 points in the scrimmage. Uh, he had he had 20 total points, uh, 15 points in scrimmage number two, four of eight from the three-point line. And a guy that we talked a lot about last year, Tommy, Ricky Council. If he can be a reliable three-point shooter and increase his volume, but stay at the same percentage, he could be a real big get for this offense. Two of three from the three-point line with 12 points. And also a guy I think may surprise some people, Quay Grant, and I may not have the first name pronounced correctly, but he's a two-time NCAA Division II All-American from West Texas A&M, a power program out of the Lone Star Conference, eight points, and he led the Shockers with five assists in this game. Tommy, it's not too early to start thinking about Wichita State basketball, and honestly, you know, I know that these scrimmages, they don't really mean anything, but for me, to see the Division II All-American come in and play that well against the Big 12 team, and to see Rookie Council step up his game and be a bigger part of the offense, really, really positive signs for the Shockers this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you mentioned, it's really not that far from now until college oh. basketball season, you know, kicks off. And we, you know, we talked about conference expansion, but we didn't talk about conference media days uh, on this program, and we'll get to that in the additions. However, we, will. we know we know about the American Conference, and we know about uh, the preseason polls there. Wichita State, I believe, weren't they ranked fourth, third, yes, or fourth? Uh, in, in the fourth, in the preseason poll for the American, which I think is not, uh, I don't think that's accurate. I think they were underranked a little bit, and they were underranked last season too. So we'll see how well, the Shockers little do. Little haterade for the uh, defending conference champions. I know. No? Uh, yeah. Getting into the additions, corrections, and retractions, and actually, I have all the preseason polls for the Big Twelve and the American as part of my additions and corrections and retractions. Do you have any ACs and Rs for you? 
Yeah, no, my only addition was uh, media day and preseason polls in college basketball. So let's run through that. Houston is picked to win the AAC men's basketball poll. Eight first place votes, Memphis second. I think those two are are fairly, um, they're understandable. I think sure. that Wichita State, you know, when you're returning the player of the year, like fourth, really, SMU, I don't get Southern Methodist at three. I honestly think that Wichita State should have gotten first place votes. Tyson Etienne is the preseason player of the year, and they're going to finish fourth in the American. Like, come on, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, Wichita State women were picked eighth in that poll. Uh, USF got ten of eleven first place votes. UCF got the other one on the women's side. So UCF, obviously, they're going to be taking a big time women's basketball program with them when they go to the uh, to the Big Twelve in the men's basketball poll. For the Big 12, KU was picked to win the conference yet again. Eight first-place votes. Texas was second in the poll. They got two first-place votes, followed by Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. I thought Baylor, boy, Nash, defending national champions, you're picked third. Really? Okay. Um, Kansas State all the way down at ninth. What were your thoughts about the preseason polls in the Big 12 picking Kansas to win and Baylor only third? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be um, a, a really a two horse race between Kansas and Texas. Um, you know, Baylor is is solid, but they they lost some weapons. Uh, what Chris Beard has built in Austin in his first season, um, there's you know a lot of inexperience there as far as these guys playing with one another. He really utilized the transfer portal, but he's got a lot of talent there. And we you know we all know what Bill Self is bringing back and bringing into Lawrence. Remy Martin is the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year, um, and he hasn't even played a game for Kansas. Kansas yet. Um, so that's going to be huge. And then, of course, returning Ochai Abaji, um, you know, Christian Braun will be there. David McCormick is back. Um, you know, just they've got a lot of weapons in Lawrence, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then Kansas State, you know, down at ninth. Um, I, my only notes really about some of these other programs is, you know, in, in big, bold letters, I wrote the hot seat. I mean, I think Bruce Weber, sure. his seat could not be any hotter right now than it is going to be entering this season. The Wildcats have to finish better than ninth in the Big 12 this season if Weber wants to keep his job, in my opinion. I think the leash has been extended way, way, way long for long enough, and it's time to see some results there. And then also on the women's side, I really think Keitha Adams uh, I think she needs to do better on the women's side for Wichita State. Uh, you know, them picked eighth in the American. I don't want to say her seat is hot, but I think you need to see some improvement there on the women's side. And then Brandon Schneider at KU as well. Um, you know, I think that you need to see some improvement in Lawrence also. It's been a while since we've seen really solid women's basketball at Kansas. Yeah. So I think there are some coaches that will be on the hot seat entering this season. And he, he's been up there in Lawrence for a while and had a fantastic yeah, a career seasons. at Emporia State. Yeah. But yeah, time to start seeing some dividends. Uh, yep. We will leave you here with, uh, I actually have a lot of additions for this show today. The MIAA releasing their preseason men's and women's basketball polls from a couple of weeks ago. No surprise, it was a near unanimous pick for Northwest Missouri, the defending national champions who have won five of the last six. They got 13 of the 13 votes they could get because you can't go vote for your own team. They were picked first. Washburn got the other vote picked second. Of course, they played a tremendous game in the MIAA tournament to beat Northwest Missouri and win the MIAA tournament title on a half 
court shot by Tyler Guyman. Uh, coaches are really hot on the Broncos of Central Oklahoma, who uh, finished fifth last year but were way out in terms of the standings. They're third over Missouri Southern, who loses, of course, Cam Martin to Kansas. And then Missouri Western, the Jets, were picked last at 14th in both the media and the coaches' poll on the men's side. Uh, on the women's side, Fort Hayes State is picked to win by the coaches with six first-place votes, followed by Central Missouri, Nebraska Kearney, and Emporia State. The media like Central Missouri and Fort Hayes State. They split the points. They were level and tied for first. Central Missouri got one more first-place vote than Fort Hayes State. I will say uh, I was a voter in the MIAA media polls this year. I did vote for Central Missouri on the women's side. I did vote for Northwest Missouri on the men's side. Newman was picked tied for 13th in the coaches' poll, 13th in the media poll. Uh, I did not vote Newman in last place in either of my polls. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make a big jump this year, but I do think that the Newman Jets have a chance to make the MIAA tournament. I think that's the goal for Coach the two new Johnsons that are leading the women's program. I think Coach R.J. Allen believes that they have a very good chance to outperform what people think that they will do in the MIAA. And, you know, you look at the standings, and if you don't watch the games, you'll look and see Newman down at the bottom of both of these standings, especially on the men's side, there is not a lot of separation between 1 and 14. There really isn't. Northwest Missouri and Newman, through 35 minutes in Northwest Missouri, were tied. It was a tie game on the road against the number one team of the country with five minutes to go. So th there's not a lot that separates these teams. Missouri Southern was beating Newman by 21, two minutes in to the second half of that game, and Newman had a chance to tie the ball game with a three at the end of the ballgame. So I think that both the Jets teams have a great opportunity uh, when that season starts. Jets basketball will be starting in my double-A basketball. will be starting here in about, oh, about less than a month, about three weeks away from Division II getting started. A great chance to outperform those picks in the MIAA. So I am also looking forward to that. Yeah, a lot, uh, lot going on there in the MIAA. Um, I think the only clarification that I want to make as far as those pools, because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about, you know, either men's or women's basketball sure. in the MIAA. The only clarification I want to make is that the Broncos, it's Broncos with an H, correct? It is Broncos with an H. It looks like Bronchos, but it's really Broncos. <clears throat> yeah, so I can actually explain why. So the Cliffsnose version is there was somebody who get, uh, I think it was a lady who gave a bunch of money to the university back in the 19-teens or 20s. At that time, the popular spelling for Bronco was with an H. Obviously, that has fallen into disuse over the coming decades. However, the school, because it was named the Broncos, it's traditionally kept that H in, and it has decided that it's going to because that's what she wanted the team to be named. It was proper spelling at the time, and so they're going with Broncos, and that's the story. I actually know. I don't, I don't care. I just think it's a good, a good distinction to make that it's Broncos with an H. Last edition that I have for you, Tommy, March Madness is coming back to Wichita in 2022. Yeah. The game dates are now set. Regional rounds, 2022 NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Tournament taking place March 26th, March 28th. That's a Saturday, Monday at Interest Bank Arena. And tickets for the general rounds are, or regional rounds are on sale now. Uh, yeah, they were actually on sale on Tuesday. All yep. session tickets, 45 bucks for adults, $30 for youth and seniors. Single session tickets priced at 25 bucks for adults, 15 for youth and seniors. 
And also, if you go as a group of 10 or more, you can get a discount. I know the Wichita State really felt the pressure and felt the disappointment of not being able to host the NCAA tournament because of coronavirus. Now it is coming back, and hopefully, shocker, basketball fans and women's basketball fans, women's sports fans from around Wichita, will go and pack in Trust Bank Arena for what obviously be, should be some really great competition coming up in March of this year. Or yeah, I no better. Season, not this year. Yeah, but this uh, <laughs> no better uh, experience than when the men's tournament came to Wichita uh, back in 2018. That was so much fun and just a blast, and really showed off and showcased Wichita and Trust Bank Arena. Um, and, and it should be the same way for the for the women as well. Hopefully that we have you know a good amount of fans that come out and show their support. I actually found myself on a side note at Interest Bank Arena inside the box office on Tuesday when oh, those wow. tickets went on sale. On an unrelated note, was working on something totally different and was was there uh, when tickets went on sale. It was cool to see the excitement of some of the fans coming out and purchasing their tickets when they went on sale. So was, hopefully, was there a like I said, rush there? Yeah, and 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 you know, like I That's said, hopefully, hopefully uh, there'll be a you know a good turnout for those games, the regional action in March. And hopefully things will continue to progress here health-wise with the pandemic to make that still happen. Obviously, you know, who knows how that's going to play out in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, I do know how next week is going to play out. We do not have a show planned for next week. We will return on November 2nd is when the next show will drop for you. On that Tuesday, we'll have plenty of football to discuss, obviously, including the latest with the Chiefs. And I think a lot of por- a big portion of that show, we may not be talking as much KU or Kansas State unless something crazy happens. Tommy, I think it's going to be time to give our season outlooks for college basketball, Kansas State, Wichita State, and KU. We will have our college basketball preview coming up on our next show, our first show of November. I know you're excited about college hoops. I know I'm excited about college hoops, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully a good season for the team that we're cheering for. And Lawrence, we're hoping for a good season for Wichita State and Kansas State fans. Well, you might just have to hold on for dear life. Who knows how that's going to turn out? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Looking forward to uh, that that preview show, and um, yeah, we're gonna take a week off. We'll be back uh, right after Halloween is wrapped up, and we'll get into November. And we will have uh, shows every week through the rest of the year. Uh, we'll probably take our traditional holiday uh, time off there after the first two shows in December. So uh, you can plan on our schedule. We'll have six more fantastic shows, and there'll be so much to talk about with the crossover season coming in November and December. So we will look forward to seeing you then on episode 83 of the Keeper of the Games podcast here in a couple of weeks. Once again, if you like the content, like the show, really appreciate you liking sharing, subscribing, email it to a buddy, email it to somebody who's not living in Wichita anymore. That's really what this podcast is for. For all you people out there in on YouTube land that are used to being Shockers, Jayhawks, Wildcat fans, but you can't get that content where you are now, get it here. That's what we're here for, to bring you the top stories. You don't have to weed through a three-hour sports talk radio show when they're talking about national stories. Everything that we're doing is focused on Wichita. We're not going to talk anything that isn't about Wichita high school sports or the Chiefs or the Jayhawks or the Royals or the Wildcats or the Shockers. That's it. That's all we talk about. The wind surge, the Wichita Thunder, Newman, 
friends. That's all we are bringing you here. You don't have to weed it out. So save yourself some time instead of listening to a local sports talk radio show where they could be talking about anything for those three hours, including the weather. Just talk about us because we're actually going to be talking about the stuff <laughs> that you want to hear. What, am I wrong? Am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. I just didn't know that you were going to you were going to go on a diatribe hey, against hey, you know, uh, other local sports radio I'm not, shows. No, I'm not going on a diatribe against any. I didn't call anybody out by name. I would never Why do not? that. It's not professional. I have. Ooh. I have on I this show, on this program, I have by name. I know you It's have. okay if you do. Sure, I, I understand. Uh, what I, all I am doing is giving people, we have to give people a reason to listen. And our reason is, of course, we are talking about what you care about and we're saving you time. So if you like it, like, share, and subscribe, hit the notifications wherever you're listening or watching on Facebook or YouTube. We really appreciate it. So we will see you here in about 10 days coming up with our show on the second. And until then, we wave you goodbye from Wichita. Tommy, for our beloved audio listeners, and I will never forget them, and I cherish you the most. Uh, audio listeners, how can people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me anytime at Tweets from Tommy. I am at D.E. Cripps, and of course, we are at Cogpod on Twitter. College hoops will be the top story when we come back. We will see you in about a week and a half on the Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.